Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Colossians, Colossians um, chapter 1. And this morning we're going to continue the, the series that we started last Sunday, which I titled, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Um, really, the, the two most important questions you will ever be asked to answer in your lifetime is who is Jesus Christ and do you know him? Upon these two questions hangs everything on um, salvation, abundant life, forgiveness of sins, eternity, heaven, hell. Upon those two questions hangs everything. And so it's so important for us to understand that we cannot afford to be wrong about Jesus Christ and we cannot afford not to know Jesus personally and intimately as Lord and Savior. You know, you can be right about everything in life, but if you're wrong about Jesus, then you're going to find out sooner or later that you were wrong about everything. And so it's so important to know who Jesus is, and it's so important to know him personally as Savior and Lord. And, and so because of the importance of this question, last Sunday we started a series dedicated to, to giving a, a biblical answer to the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And, and really to answer this all-important question, we, we started examining a portion of Scripture found in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. And, and here in Colossians chapter 1, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he really writes one of the most precise and profound descriptions of Jesus Christ found in the entire Bible. Um, um, scholars believe that, that this used to be a hymn, um, verses 15 through 22, that really the early church used to sing, and the whole purpose of the hymn was for them to declare what they believed concerning Jesus. We refer to it as the Colossian hymn. And, and really in this Him in these verses, Paul just gives us such a accurate, truthful, powerful description of who Jesus is. If you want to know who Jesus is, study, meditate on these verses because Paul hit the the ball out of the park, you might say. He, He he slam dunk Kobe Bryant style on, on these verses. Amen. Notice I didn't say LeBron James, but Kobe Bryant. How many could say amen to that? Amen. And, and so last Sunday, when we started looking at this hymn, at these verses in Colossians 1, and we saw that the first thing Paul tells us concerning Jesus, it's found in verse 15. He tells us that Jesus is God. It's like Paul wants us to to 
start out on top. He, he wants us to just understand who Jesus really is. And, and so to, to share with us, the first thing he tells us is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You, you can't start any higher than that. Jesus is God. Amen. Fully God. Fully man. He is the God man. And so last Sunday we, we, we saw how Jesus is God and, and we saw how the scriptures, you know, just, just give us this strong case concerning the deity of Christ. That there's no doubt that the scripture leaves us with no doubt that Jesus Christ is God. He's not just simply a, a good man or a wise teacher or a prophet or or a, a nice guy, but he's he's God. He's the, the God man. The the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him in bodily form. The, 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 all the fullness of God, everything God is, Jesus is. For he is the image of of the invisible God. And, and so we started out this series, this study, by looking at this first truth concerning Jesus, that he is God. Now, this morning we're going to continue, and I want to share with you two more truths that we learn about Jesus found here in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. And, and so let's begin, and if you have your your Bible open, if you have maybe a, a notebook, a, a journal, a, a pen in hand, I want you to, to continue to write notes and, and um, take down these truths that I'm going to tell you. And even if it, it might help you out um, in, your, in your margin, in your Bibles, maybe next to the verses you can write down the points so that you won't lose these notes and, and just in case you need to use it, in the future, they're going to be there ready. You're going to remember where they're at, and you're going to be able to share with others who Jesus is and how great and mighty he is. And, and so let's begin, and, and let's look at, at the second truth concerning Jesus, where we're trying to answer the question, who is Jesus? And the second thing that Paul tells us is that Jesus is creator. Jesus is creator. Look with me at verse 16. This is what Paul says. For by him, that's a reference to Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. How many can say amen after reading uh, such a, an amazing verse like that? So the second thing Paul tells us concerning Jesus is that he is creator. And really, verse 16, it follows from verse 15. You see, because he is God, naturally, he is creator. Christ is the creator God, everything in the world, everything in heaven, everything that exists, 
all the parameters, all the concepts, all the boundaries of this universe were created by Jesus Christ. Verse 16, Paul says, for by him all things were created. And when Paul says all things, that's exactly what he means. All things. Jesus created the heavens. Jesus created the earth. Jesus created the seas. Jesus even created the angelic race. Jesus created the devil. Jesus created demons. Jesus created the holy angels. Jesus is not an angel. Jesus created the angels. How many can say amen to that? Jesus created the human race. Jesus created the animal kingdom. He created the plant life, the sea life. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, Jesus created everything. Everything. He created all things. This morning, the ground you stand on, Jesus created. This morning, the the air that you're breathing, Jesus created. This morning, the the water you will drink, the food you will eat after service, Jesus created. He created all things. And, And listen to this. Don't miss this. He created all things and he created all things out of nothing. Out of nothing. He he didn't have matter to to work with but he created matter he created the the time the the space continuum like we like to refer it to it he created everything out of nothing there is no such thing as evolution don't be deceived there's no such thing there's only such a thing as a divine creator and jesus christ is that divine creator. Jesus said, let there be light, and there was light. How many could say amen to that? Jesus said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens, and it was so. Jesus said, let the earth bring forth the living creature, According to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. Jesus even said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And it was so. Jesus created all things. Think think of it like this. Everything, whether invisible, visible, whether in heaven or on earth, everything has this stamp upon it, made by Jesus Christ. You know how sometimes you, you purchase something and, it, and you look on the bottom and it says made in China or made in Mexico? You guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe if, if you look 
after service in your shirt. You know, it's going to be like made in Taiwan. Although they told you it was made in Italy, they were lying to you. Amen. You can't get something for $20 that was made in Italy. All right. But everything has has the stamp of of the creator, of the designer. Every painter um, signs his painting. Well, Well, it's the same way with the Lord Jesus. Everything has this stamp upon it made by Jesus Christ. He's, he is the creator of all things. And this is the Jesus whom we serve, the creator of all. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to just share this with you because I find this just so profound. In verse 16 of Colossians chapter 1, Paul, and he doesn't do this, he doesn't do this, um, you know, just out of the blue, but purposefully, he uses three prepositions to describe Jesus's relationship with creation. Three prepositions to teach us, to show us Jesus's relationship with creation. If you're here this morning, you're like, Adam, I was really bad in English. I failed it. I just copied my way. I cheated. I admit I repented. But, you know, I cheated. And that's the reason why I was able to, to pass my English class. A preposition is simply a word used to describe the relationship between two nouns, okay? So I know you're like, I didn't come to learn English this morning. Well, sometimes you need to know these things to understand the scriptures, amen? The the scripture was inspired by God, but it was also written by man. Therefore, it follows um, the grammatic laws and and whatnot. So a preposition, it, it, it shows, it describes the way two nouns Relate to one another. And so these prepositions describe or show us the way Jesus relates to creation. And and, and Paul tells us this. These are the three prepositions he uses. He says, by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ, all things were created. Can, Can we say that? This morning, you know, I'm not one to have people repeat things when I'm behind the, the pulpit. But, but I just don't want you to miss this. These are truths that, that we can't afford to miss. We, we got to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ this morning. So, so let's say by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ. That's his relationship. By, through and for, let, let's talk about that briefly. First, all things were created by Christ. What does that mean? That means simply this. Jesus is the primary cause of creation. He's the source. He's the origin. He's the author of creation. Jesus is the one who planned creation. He's the one that designed creation. He is the primary cause. Now, 
when Paul teaches us that everything was created by Christ, really it's speaking of the omniscience of Jesus Christ. In other words, it really teaches us that Jesus is all-wise, all-knowing, and all-intelligent. Because you need to be omniscient, you need to know everything to plan such a complex creation. I don't know what your background of, of science is, or I don't know how much you enjoy biology or physics or or astronomy, you know, the, the study of, of this creation and all the different disciplines and fields. But the world we live in is complex. The world we live in is fine-tuned for creation. You know, the, the scientists tell us that, that one single cell has more information than uh, thousands and thousands of, of volumes of encyclopedias. That, that one single cell within our body is more complex than uh, the, our cars or than a computer or, or any other device that we use. And that's just one cell. And our, our bodies are filled with multitudes of cells and yet Jesus, he's the one that planned everything. Jesus, he's the designer of all designers. Amen. He's the architect of all architects. He's the engineer of all engineers. All things were created by him. He's the primary cause of creation. Um, but, but the second preposition that Paul uses is that he tells us all things were created through Christ. Not only were they created by Christ, not only is he the primary cause, but all things were created through him also. Now, what exactly does that mean? Simply this, Jesus is the instrumental cause of creation. He's the agent and means by which creation came into existence. Jesus is the one who produced creation. Let me read with you some verses. Um, you don't have to turn there, but you might want to jot them down. In John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Ephesians 3, 9, God created all things through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 2, through whom also he made the worlds. And so throughout scripture, not only do we learn that everything was created by Christ, but also we learn that everything was created through Christ. He's the instrumental cause. And, and really, that speaks of the omnipotence of Jesus Christ. What does that word mean? Simply this. Jesus is all-powerful, almighty, all-potent to produce such a grand and glorious creation. You know, every time I, I get up and, you know, I, I walk here to church, I, I live 
fairly close. I try to get my exercise in, you know, so I speed walk to church. <laughs> you know, and I begin to, to look at the mountains. I begin to examine the clouds and the sun. And, you know, I just begin to admire all of creation. And every time I, I see the mountains, I think to myself, how big, how strong, how, how glorious, how grand these mountains look. And, and every time I meditate, I look upon them, the Lord reminds me, yeah, but I'm, I'm a lot grander. I'm a lot bigger. I'm a lot stronger because I'm the one that put those mountains there. It was all through him. He created everything out of nothing. And if Jesus did that, if he had the power to bring everything into existence by a single word, is there possibly anything that he cannot do? Is Jesus limited in strength? Is Jesus limited in power? Is Jesus limited in some way? Oftentimes, we treat Jesus in that way. Oftentimes, we're confronted with a trial. We're confronted with a difficulty in life. We're confronted with a battle. And we forget that Jesus is all-powerful. We created, we forget that Jesus created everything through him. And we treat Jesus so small. And I'm sure sometimes Jesus wants us to to remember and, and he wants to remind us, man, look around. I created everything. Look at the mountains. Look at the, the sun. Look at the, the clouds. Look at the, the complexity of life. And you're telling me that, that I can't help you out. You are telling me that that storm is, is bigger than me? That's an insult. That's an insult to the Lord. No, don't, don't tell the Lord how, how big your storms are. Tell your storms how, how big the Lord is. And Jesus created the storms, you know. He creates those hurricanes, you know. He, he's the creator of everything. It, it was through him. It, it speaks of his omnipotence. He is the powerfulest of all those who are powerful. He is the mightiest of all those who are mighty. He is the strongest of all those who are strong. Our Savior is a mighty warrior. My Jesus is mighty to save. He's not no weakling. He is not man. He is not limited like man. He is the God-man, all-powerful, all Potent, almighty, and it was all created through him. How many could say amen to that? Amen. And so Paul says it was created by him, through him. And the third thing he tells us is that all things were created for him. All things were created for Jesus. Now, now what is that speaking of? 
Simply this, Jesus is the final cause of creation. Jesus is the purpose, the goal, the chief end for which creation came into existence. Jesus created everything for his good pleasure. When you think of the word by Christ, think that the Lord planned everything. When you think of the word through Christ, think that the Lord produced everything. And when you think of the word for Christ, think that the Lord created everything for his good pleasure. Planned it, produced it for his good pleasure. It all is created for Jesus. Now, you want to know what this speaks of? This speaks of the glory of Jesus Christ. Everything was created for his glory. You don't seem too excited about that. If I said everything was created for your glory, you would be standing up in applause. Amen. Everything was created for Jesus's glory. Everything was created for Jesus's pleasure. Everything was created for Jesus' purposes, for Jesus' plans, for Jesus' will. This morning, Jesus is the reason why you're here. Jesus. This morning, Jesus is the reason why you exist. Think about that. That is just so profound. The purpose of your existence is Jesus Christ. You were created for him. You know, everyone wants to know the question. I I talk to young people a lot. Why am I here? Why am I here? And they go through life trying to answer that question. Everybody is looking for three things. Purpose, value, and meaning. That's really what everyone searches for in life. Why Am I here? What's the purpose? Why am I here? What's the purpose of my existence? And the Bible, the only book that gives us the answer to that question. And it's such a, a simple answer. It's a one word answer. The most profoundest question that people search the answer in life is given the answer with one word. Jesus. That's the purpose. That's the very meaning of our existence. It's Jesus. We were created by him. We were created through him. And we were created for him. Now, now what what does that imply? It implies this. If you're living your life and if you're disconnected from Jesus... If this morning you don't know Jesus, you're not living for Jesus, you're not submitting your life to Jesus, you're missing the entire purpose of why you exist. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not talking about, oh, you said a prayer, you know, like. 
two years ago and you're still living like the devil. I'm saying if you're not submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ and you don't have a continual, faithful, loyal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're living your life without purpose. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Does not matter how much worldly pleasures you enjoy. If you're disconnected from Christ, you're disconnected from the purpose and goal and meaning of your life. That's why your soul dissatisfied. That's why you you always are are, are empty and, and unsatisfied. That's why you feel so confused, so lost. That's why you you feel like you're walking around with your head chopped off like, like a chicken. And I'm not calling you a chicken. I'm just saying you feel like a chicken. So don't get upset with me. It's because the very purpose of your existence is found in Christ and you're not serving Christ. You're not following Christ. You're not obeying Christ. You were created for Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. And until you give your life to Christ, you will never have purpose in your life. All creation, you, me, every single thing was created for the single purpose of glorifying, magnifying, and honoring Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. There's a a grand design for your life. And that grand design is to bring glory to Christ. Not to make money, but to bring glory to Jesus Christ. There's a master plan for your life. And that master plan is to magnify Christ. Not to live for yourself. There is a chief purpose for your life. And that chief purpose is is to honor Christ, not to please others. You were created to glorify, to magnify, and to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We have purpose. There's a a purpose for my life. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not just wondering On this earth with no purpose, with no value, with no meaning. There's a purpose. And that purpose is Jesus. And Jesus makes every day meaningful. Jesus makes every act that I do wonderful. (laughs) Jesus makes every circumstance that I find myself in valuable. There's a purpose, and that purpose is Jesus. You know, for for those who are here this morning, you're a young person. Let's say you're in the teenage um, years, or if you're in your early 20s, or you can even be 60. You're still young, all right? Praise God. Young in heart, Adam. Young in heart. (laughs) But know this. There's a purpose for your life. Know know that, that, that Jesus is that purpose Jesus is the one who who makes life meaningful and special you know there, there's a, 
a very famous phrase, a, a sentence, a creed. And, and it's, we call it the, the Westminster Confession, the, the Westminster Catechism. It's a very famous um, saying. And, and they ask the question, what is the chief end of man? What's the purpose of man? What's, why are we here? And they answer that question by saying, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the purpose of man. That's the purpose of our existence, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We were created by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ. And so whatever you do in life, Make sure you're doing it for the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I love that verse because that's telling us regardless of what we do, we can do it for the glory of God. You know, whether you're at school, being faithful in your studies, at work, being faithful to your responsibilities, at home, being faithful. You know, you could wash dishes for the glory of God. Amen? You know, a lot of times, you know, we have this whole concept, well, I got to behind, be behind one of these to bring glory to God. That, that's not what the Bible says. Everything you do, do it for the glory of God. No, you could be washing dishes. You could be like, praise Jesus, be glorified as I scrub these beans off this plate. Be glorified, Jesus, as you're driving to work. Jesus, be glorified in this drive. Be exalted. Be magnified, Jesus. Fulfill your purposes in my life when you're at work. When you're at home, when you're with the children, be glorified, Jesus. Be honored, Lord, that that everything I do, it would be done for your glory, for your honor, for your exaltation. Fulfill your purposes in my life. Do all to the glory of God. And I would encourage you, fulfill your purpose. Fulfill your purpose Glorify your creator. Give to him what rightfully belongs to him. Listen to this. I'm just going to finish this point with with this last thought and, and then we'll look at the last point. But we need to stop robbing God and we need to start living for his glory. You know, anytime we think about robbing God, the first thing we think about is our ties. In our offerings. And it's true. You know, we're, we're called to be faithful. And if we're not being faithful, we're robbing God. <laughs> Straight up. But also, we can rob God and not live for his glory. We can rob God and not be passionate for his glory. You know, in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 17, there was a gentleman that, that came up to Jesus He said, Lord, is it lawful to pay taxes? Lord, should I pay taxes? 
What a question. You know, I, I always say to myself, Lord, why didn't you answer differently, you know? <laughs> because the Lord told him, you know, well, well, show me a denarius, show me a coin. He took out a coin. And he says, whose image is on that coin? And the, and the gentleman said, Caesar's. And the Lord said, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's, that are God, excuse me, that belong to God. Now, a lot of people think the Lord was only teaching that, that we need to pay taxes. It's true the, the Lord was teaching that, but the Lord was also teaching us that we need to give glory to God because whose image is upon our life? God. And so we need to give to God what rightfully belongs to him. Well, whose image do you bear? When you, when, when you read Genesis 1.26, it says that we were created in, in God's image. And if that's the case, why aren't we giving to God the things that are God's? Why aren't we giving to God the things that rightfully belong to him? Why are we passionate about the glory of God? Why are we passionate about the honor of God? Why are we passionate about exalting our Savior? Why are we not giving God what rightfully belongs to him? Why are we more concerned about ourselves than about God? About our glory, about our name, about our reputation and not God's. We're robbing God. We're robbing God. We're not living for God. We need to be passionate about the glory of Christ. You know, Paul, he was so passionate about Christ's glory. He even said in Philippians, whatever happens to me, I don't care as long as Jesus is magnified. Whatever happens, they can kill me. They can let me go. It doesn't matter as long as Jesus is magnified. There's very few who have that attitude. A lot of times we have the attitude, well, all I care about is myself. Jesus, he's cool. He he saved me, but I need to take care of myself first. That's not the attitude. That we need to have, whether we're at work or at school or at church or at home or at the store or with family or friends, our life must be lived in such a way that Jesus Christ is glorified because we were created by him, through him, and we were created for him. Fulfill your purpose. Live a life full of meaning and bring glory to Jesus Christ. How many can say amen to that? So the second thing we learn about Jesus is that he is creator, that he is created. Let's finish up with this final point. Jesus is sustainer. We learn that Jesus is God. Jesus is creator. And the third and final thing we will look at this morning, Jesus is Sustainer. Read verse 17 with me in Colossians chapter 1. And he is before all things, and in him all 
things consist. All things consist. Um, let me share with you um, a few different translations that translate this verse a little more better. Um, New Living Translation says, He existed before everything else began, and He holds all creation together. The English Standard Version um, translates it in this way. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And so the next thing Paul tells us concerning Jesus is that he is sustainer. Christ is the sustainer of all things. He's the sustainer, maintainer, and upholder of all things. Jot down this verse if you can. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. The author of the Hebrews tells us that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. All things are upheld, sustained by the word of Jesus Christ. Jesus upholds every moment of every day. Listen to this. There is nothing random going on in Jesus's creation. There's no maverick molecule. Everything is under the direction and government of the Lord Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he's ordering and orchestrating the entirety of all creation. You know, when when I was Young, we, we used to sing a song. He has the whole world in his hands. 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 And, and, and I used to sing that when I was small. And as I got older... I begin to realize Jesus does have the whole world in his hands. Jesus is upholding and sustaining all things. He is directing and governing all things. He is the sustainer of all things. He's upholding the the laws of thermodynamics. He's sustaining the laws of gravity. He's holding together all the atoms from repelling and from exploding. All the physical laws of this universe are being sustained by the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. This morning, Jesus is keeping this world from falling apart. Amen? Physically, morally, socially, he is keeping this world entire world this entire universe from falling apart he's the sustainer of all things and and listen to this and i'm gonna ask my brother jonah to, to start making his way up here jesus he's not only sustaining the physical laws of this universe but jesus is also sustaining your life and my life He's not only the sustainer of all creation, but he's also the sustainer of all of you. Jesus is the one sustaining your life. Christian, this morning, Jesus is the one 
sustaining your faith. Jesus is the one sustaining your marriage, your children, your family, your home, your business, your work, your ministry, your health. Jesus is keeping everything from falling apart. You know, Jesus, I I say that, he's like the, the glue keeping everything together. He's like the bolts keeping everything from coming to pieces. He's like a rope keeping everything from coming loose. Jesus, he's like gravity. He keeps everything on its feet. He's the sustainer. He's the maintainer. He's the upholder of all things. And, And you don't ever forget that. You don't ever forget this truth concerning Jesus, that he's the sustainer of all things. This morning, I I know that that many have come with with trials. Many have come with burdens or or challenges. Many of us, we've come weak. We've come tired. We've come weary. Maybe someone this morning, maybe you feel like you're going to collapse. Maybe you you feel like you're going to throw in the towel Give up. Maybe you tell yourself, I can't go on any farther. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Can't do this anymore. If that's you, this morning, I want to assure you on the authority of the Word of God that whatever God's will for your life is, Christ, He's going to uphold you. He's going to sustain you. He's going to empower you. He's going to enable you to do what he has called you to do. Jesus is not going to let go. Your weak little life and my weak little life are in his big, strong, powerful hands. He's not going to let go. He's going to sustain us, uphold us. Even if we find ourselves walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he, he's never going to let go. No, when I when I was younger, I used to spend a lot of time with with my little nephew. My my nephew is is 15 years old, so so this is quite a ways back. And I remember every time we would go to the store, or every time we would go to to the supermarket. When we would get out of the car, you know, right away, he would hold my hand because his mom taught him, you know, that that he doesn't walk in the parking lot or in public without holding the hand of his tío or abuelito or his mom or dad. And so there I would be walking with my nephew and him holding my hand. and, And I'm sure that as he held my hand, you know, he felt safe. He felt protected. He felt that nothing was going to happen to him. And all the time that we were walking through the parking lot, he thought that he was holding my hand. He thought that he was not going to let go and, and that he was going to arrive safely to where we were trying to go. But I never told him this, and I don't think he was aware of it, but he wasn't 
holding my hand, but I was holding his hand. And there was going to be nothing that would cause me to let go. It wasn't him holding my hand. It wasn't him trying to find protection in me and and trying to stay close to me. But I was the one holding his hand. I was the one that was going to protect him. I was the one that wouldn't let go. I would give my life to stay with him and to keep holding his hand. And that's how God is towards us. No, a, a lot of us, we think, oh, I got God. I'm holding on, God. I'm holding on to you, Jesus. I, I, I'm staying close to you, Jesus. I, I'm trusting in you, Jesus. But we got it wrong. He is the one holding on to us. He is the one drawing near to us. He is the one sustaining us and upholding us. If it was you, you would have let go a long time ago. If it was you, you wouldn't be here this morning because we're weak. We're weak. We're, we're, We're fragile. We're quick to give up. We're quick to let go. We're so quick to throw in the towel. But this morning, rest assured, he got you. Jesus got you. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you're born again by the Spirit of God, if you submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he has you. And he will never let go. He's going to sustain you. He's going to help you. He's going to get you through the the tough days you know sometimes he even carries us sometimes we're so weak we can't even walk no more but the Lord is right there he tells us mijo mija don't worry I'm going to carry you I'm going to sustain you I'm going to get you through the day I'm going to help you I'm I'm the sustainer. I'm the upholder. I'm the the maintainer. Everything consists in me. I'm the glue. I keep it together. I'm I'm the ropes. I keep everything tight. I'm the bolts. I keep everything strong. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to get you through this trial. I'm going to sustain you through this temptation. I'm going to help you out during this, this difficult time. You don't worry. I got you, and I will never let go. And this morning, be encouraged that it's not so much you have the Lord, but it's the Lord has you. And he's not going to let go of you. If you're going through a a hard time, take courage. The Lord has you in in the palm of his hand, and nothing or no one is going to be able to snatch you out of that hand. Jesus is God. Jesus is creator. And Jesus is sustainer. What a glorious Jesus we serve. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love the Jesus of the Bible. 
I love the historical, biblical Jesus of Nazareth. He truly is worthy of my life. Let's stand. And the brothers are going to come and get ready for communion. And just raise your hand with me. Before we take communion, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you this morning if if you're here this morning if you feel like you're going through a hard time if you feel tempted to to throw in the towel to to give up could be in anything it could be at work at school your spiritual walk your family if, if you just feel weak and fragile and if you need to be sustained by the lord i want to pray with you raise your hand with me and, and let me let me pray with you if, if, if you fall in this category father i thank you for those who are this here this morning i thank you for their lives i thank you for their honesty lord i thank you lord that that they got an open heart to your word lord that they're responding lord to to the to the scriptures and and, and many of us lord this morning we we do find ourselves in a difficult place lord we, we find ourselves struggling battling weak lord man we're, we're weak lord we're not afraid to confess that lord we're not ashamed we're weak lord we struggle we battle and yet this morning lord you remind us you tell us through your word that you are fully capable to sustain us to maintain us to uphold us and this morning jesus once again we 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 just put our lives in your hand we we put our situation in your hands and we thank you jesus that it's not that we have you it's not that we're holding on to you but you have us you're holding on to us and may we never forget that you are Lord that you are Savior that you are God and we are in your hands and and that our, our, our faith would be encouraged this morning Lord that we would be strengthened Lord this morning understanding the truth that you got us why do we worry so much why do we doubt so much we stress out why do we we find ourselves just filled with with these thoughts of doubt and discouragement when your word teaches us that you got us that you're going to sustain us that you're going to help us you're going to get us through the day you're going to get us through work it's hard you're going to get us through school you're going to get us through these family problems these these issues with our children with our spouses you're gonna get us through it there's no need to worry you got us got us in your hand and we we rest in that lord this morning jesus we rest in you say that with me family say jesus this morning i rest i rest in you I rest in you, Jesus. I rest in the truth that you got me, that you're going to sustain me, 
that you're going to uphold me, that you are going to maintain me. We, we rest. We rest in that, Lord. We rest in that, Lord. Amen. We rest in that, Jesus. This time we, we, we want to invite, and, and I want to say this before we, we partake of communion. 